And um, he said to me, he said, okay, we're going to drop these two guys off. Um, but he said, whatever you do, just don't let them see your camera because if they do and they see you taking any photographs at all, they could report us and they could have us arrested and we could be arrested for, for spying and thrown in jail, etc. So I was scared to death. Welcome to Men of Abundance, the podcast for those looking to level up their lives by hanging out with some of the greatest leaders and established professionals in our community, living a life of integrity, honor, and the abundance mentality. Prepare to pay it forward with your host, former army medic turned lifestyle entrepreneur, Wally Carmichael. What is going on, you amazing abundant leader? I am Wally Carmichael, your founder and host of the Men of Abundance podcast, the Pay It Forward community, proving to you that you can, in fact, live a life of abundance in family, faith, finances, and fitness on your way to having more. This is yet another amazing conversation today because it feeds right into what I was talking about last week before I got into the conversation in episode 337. So make sure you go back and listen to menofabundance.com forward slash 337 because that's where I talk about finding your own pie or finding another pie. Well, today we're actually talking about creating your own pie and doing whatever it takes to create that pie against all odds, even if it's putting your own life into danger. So hold on to your seats because this is going to be a good one. Now, as usual, I want to give you the opportunity to be abundant in your actions today by paying it forward and sharing men of abundance with others. You are definitely going to want to share this conversation. Take a screenshot of your phone, share it on social media, hashtag men of abundance, hashtag MOA, tag me and tag others who need to hear these conversations. I assure you, they will thank you for it. And it only takes a couple of minutes, maybe even a couple seconds. What might take just a few minutes more for is for you to go over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. Click those stars, leave a review, let us know how we're doing so that we can bring you more guests. And more importantly, more people can find Men of Abundance. I can't tell you how important it is for you to leave reviews over on Google and anywhere else. And real soon, I'm going to have an opportunity for you to leave a review on Google My Business because I'm going to be putting Men of Abundance on Google My Business so I can be found even more that way as well. Now, our featured guest today is an award-winning entrepreneur, author, and philanthropist. He's also the founder of AquaGuard, Spill Response Incorporated a global leader in oil spill control that works to protect water, the world's most precious resource, in a hundred plus countries around the world. He and AquaGuard have received multiple awards for their innovation, business excellence, and entrepreneurialism. He has received the British Columbia Institute of Technology's 2018 Distinguished Alumni of the Year Award. He has devoted his life to environmental and social responsibility and boldly advocates for risking it all for what really matters among the entrepreneurial tribes for which he belongs. He speaks and consults with entrepreneurs and young people worldwide about bringing their talents and solving some of our planet's most pressing challenges. As an active philanthropist, he donates all profits from his book sales, Take the Leap, Risking It All for What Really Matters and speaking engagements to organizations that support poverty alleviation, human rights, social services, and the environment. 
Men of Abundance, it is my honor to introduce you to Nigel Bennett. Nigel, welcome to Men of Abundance, brother. How are you doing today? I'm great. Great, Wally. Thank you so much for having me on your show. That's a pleasure. Where are you at in the world? <laughs> I'm in Whistler, Whistler, BC. Yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful day up here today. That's actually gorgeous today, too, here in Florida. It rained like crazy yesterday, uh-huh. and we needed it, so now it's just an absolute gorgeous day. Yeah, we did, too. We had a really dry April, and it's been a little bit wet, but the mountains are just loaded with snow still and blue skies, and oh, it's wow. just absolutely stunning. And and the crazy thing is, is that you know we've got grizzly bears in the mountains around here, but last week they had a grizzly walking through town Oh wow! because it's so quiet. There's nobody yeah. around, so all the nature's uh, you know, coming back. That's a very good point. I never even yeah. considered that in places like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Insane. Got to be careful out there. Very, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I did see a picture one time somebody posted. It was down in Africa where a bunch of a pride of lions were hanging out on the road because nobody was there. Yeah, nobody uh, was where there. Where they normally wouldn't be. Yeah. yeah I mean, I see, I see a black bear, black bear and a black bear almost every day year now mm. and i would i would see maybe a couple a year now i'm seeing one every single day my wife and i were, were hiking uh two days ago and there was a black bear wading across the river right in front of us it was going right across the river it was the coolest thing well i wonder if yeah. they know anything about i don't call it social distancing i call it yeah. physical distancing i wonder if they know anything about that <laughs> they're just know. not concerned are they because they don't care they don't care good for them Good yeah, for them. I, I like yeah. to start out with an attitude of gratitude, man. It sounds like you have mm-hmm. a lot to be grateful for, but what specifically are you grateful for today? Yeah, I'm just I'm just extremely fortunate. The 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 biggest thing is, you know, my family. I'm just so so fortunate. Uh, my wife and I were in our 31st year of uh, marriage here. We've got three great kids, 25, 23, and 20, and just been really fortunate to be able to raise them as uh, as global citizens, you know. And um, yeah, and. I'm just super fortunate, super fortunate. I, and I got my freedom back out of my, not out of my business, but I set my business up a few years ago. So I've, I've got a lot of freedom and uh, yeah, so I'm just really, really grateful. Wonderful. Yeah. That is a great place to be. You sound, you're pretty close to me, except for I have a 26 year old, a 20 year old and a 10 year old. So wow. <laughs> yeah. <wasn't>, spread. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that wasn't part of my retirement plan. I just turned 51. So I should have yeah. already had them all out. But you know, that's my little <laughs> guy. That's, that's my buddy, man. So oh, that's the awesome. other two are off doing their own thing. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, oh, it's man. wonderful. Absolutely <laughs> wonderful. So, you know, before we got started here, I talked a little bit about what you got going on and that's your professional side. And yes. here on Men of Abundance, we really like to get to know the man behind the abundance. So if you would, mm-hmm. how would you describe yourself? Oh man, um, I I've kind of later later on in my years. I'm 58 now, uh, just from 58, and I've really realized that one of my u- unique abilities is connecting amazing people doing in, doing amazing things. So I just love connecting people that are they're making a big difference in the world. And I, and the more that I step into that space, the more the energy ball and, and things just start happening. So I love that. I love, I love adventure. I, I, you know, I love travel, um, lots of sports, uh, adrenaline. I'm an adrenaline junkie. So I, I was always a big rock climber and backcountry skier. And, you know, I started surfing when I turned 40 and I'm addicted to surfing. And mm. so, it, but I would always find it that it would, um, cause I would live in such a stressful world. It was, it was, it was my reset. So I would get away. I would escape. I would reset my brain and then I would step back into my, stressful world and have a lot of uh, problems and issues solved if I was able to remove myself. And, um, but then, but then I also had, um, what I would call as a bit of an imposter syndrome. I, I, I would get into these, um, 
business groups and things. Entrepreneur, I joined the entrepreneurs organization. I was actually dragged into it by a by a friend of mine. And but I always, I never felt that I belonged. I always thought that I was the dummy in the class because I was I'm dyslexic and I've got ADD and I was always had a tough time. Um, so yeah, I've always kind of lived with that bit of this, um, a friend of mine, Todd calls it the imposter syndrome. So mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that's what's kind of yeah, mean. I'm familiar with that. Definitely familiar with that. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and I got over it. I've had the opportunity because of this show and many other things mm -hmm. doing what I do. I talk to people all the time that I've had on pedestals for years and I, after a conversation yeah. with them, you know, I don't feel like I'm any smarter than them. I'm just like, you know what? Mm. Why the pedestal? I mean, honestly, they're, they're just normal people just like it's I am. And they got people. fears and concerns and imposter yeah. syndrome as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anxiety. And yeah, I know. Mm -hmm. I know. Yeah. But I, yeah, I've always lived with that. Yeah. Very interesting. Very cool. So, yeah. you know, speaking of connections and, and being yeah. a connector, mm. Tom Schwab introduced the two of us oh, and got us connected. Awesome. I love yeah. Tom. With, uh, Great. and he's yeah. with the interview valet master connector actually made a business out of it. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How did you, how did you guys get connected? Uh, I got connected through a buddy out of my class at MIT. Um, I, I go to this entrepreneurs organization class at MIT called the gathering of Titans. I've been going, it's our, was supposed to be our 16th year this year, but uh, it was canceled because of uh, the COVID-19 outbreak. And um, so one of my classmates and my forum group members there introduced me to Tom. Yeah, he's, a, he's in Detroit as well, so... Yeah. 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 Tom is absolutely amazing. Tom and his wife, Karen, amazing. they're just awesome. Absolutely wonderful people. Love the yeah. love them to death. So yeah. And, and he does what he does with passion. and He does mm -hmm. it for the right reason. So, you know, I, I just that's what I, I love working with people that are really doing cool things in the world and for the right reason. And I, I just, you know, I, I'm like a, a reborn kid, you know, I just jump out of bed every morning if I get to hang out and talk to like you, you know, it's like people yeah. doing really cool stuff. I just love it. I love it. Absolutely. Yeah, love I it. do too. I'm, I've always been intrigued with people. I've always been a people watcher. And yes. in fact, when I was a kid, I used to spend a lot of time sitting in the malls and just watching people in general. Yeah. But as I got older, I was just that creepy old man sitting in the corner watching people. So I <laughs> That's what my daughter says. <laughs> just a creepy old man like, yeah just, you know so i gotta be careful with that but that's why i do it here and i don't have to you know i get to have all these amazing conversations yeah, very absolutely. cool so you know one of the things we like to get into is that kick in the gut moment and i and i imagine you know with everything you've done in your life thus far and being 58 and you've got a few yeah. kick in the gut moments if you would share one with us and really make us feel that oh man well um yeah, I, I when I was a young, a young, young guy, I mean, right out of high school, uh, my dad had a uh, environmental mapping company. And um, so I was on the next day after graduation from high school, completely hungover. I was on a flight to Venezuela and I found myself hanging out of helicopters and fixed wing aircraft and, and photographing. And we were mapping the coastline and we were occasionally getting um, uh, I actually our helicopter we're, we're uh, surveying Lake Maracaibo, which gets quite close to the Colombian border, and the FARC guerrillas were operating there, and they still are to this day, 50 years later. Um, uh, they were taking pot shots at our helicopter, so that was a pretty scary moment. And then I found myself after that in Egypt for quite a Now, were you stationed in the Sinai? I was. I was in the you Sinai were. for how, how long, how long six, you months. Uh, six months. I think yeah. it was like 98, yeah, 99 yeah. time okay. frame. No, okay. actually, it's really. So I'm sorry. It's 96, 90, 96, 97 time frame. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I, I was listening to one of your podcasts last night. And you mentioned that, and like, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. that's insane. Because I was, I was in Egypt for about five years uh, in the mid '80s. So I was had I was surveying the coastline in in Egypt, and <clears throat> I remember I drove from Suez down to a little uh, little checkpoint called Razgarab and the uh, on the. Um, on the Gulf there, mm-hmm. the Gulf of Suez, and um, there was a helicopter pilot, and it was going to take me for a survey, and we're going to go survey the Sinai. <laughs> we're going to mm-hmm. fly over the Sinai, and we were going to go up the uh, the west side of the Sinai and and uh, survey it for environmental sensitivities and oil oil industry activity. And I walked into the helicopter base, and this guy was Johnny, and he was a big 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 lad, and um, he was an ex Vietnam uh, uh, pilot, and he'd been wounded in the leg and he had a bit of a limp and he came out to me and he goes you know Nigel um you know I know I know why you're here and uh, I know what I got to do but you know there's only certain areas that I can take you to and you know that's it and I'm like okay whatever you know take me to wherever you can and then he said to me he said you know I know why you're doing this but do you really really think you can make a difference and because I was a young guy I thought hell yeah I mean a young I was full mm-hmm. of him and vigor I thought I was going to change the world and I really thought I could make a difference. So we took off and we fl- flew over to the Sinai and we had two oil executives in the back. And he told me, he said, Nigel, keep your, um, <clears throat> your, your camera between your legs. I was in the, it was in the, I was in the co-pilot seat and I had the, um, the helmet on with the microphone so we could talk, but the, the guys in the back couldn't hear us. And, um, he said to me, he said, okay, we're going to drop these two guys off. Um, but he said, whatever you do, just don't let them see your camera because if they do and they see you taking any photographs at all, they could report us and they could have us arrested and we could be arrested for, for spying and thrown in jail, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So I was scared to death. And we dropped these guys off. We flew a little bit further north. And then he said, I'm going to take you to some areas I'm not supposed to take you to, but, but whatever. So we flew into some areas and I saw um, oil operations. <clears throat> this was on land. And there was pipeline after pipeline after pipeline that had been ruptured and oil was flowing into the Gulf of Suez or the Red Sea. And I took photo after photo after photo, and it was just blew my mind that this was happening. I saw the same thing in Egypt, and I saw the same thing um, in Venezuela, and I saw it in Malaysia, and I saw it all over the world. I spent 10 years working for my dad's uh, environmental mapping company. And so I landed back in Razgarab, and Johnny said to me, so okay, take these photographs and, and show them to the people that need to see them. And he said, you know, you know, go out there and make an impact. And that really, really, really infected, affected me. But my big kick in the gut here was I'd been working for my dad for several years and we had finished our contract in Egypt and I was in Alexandria. We had an apartment in Alexandria and I was going to meet my father in Cairo because he was finishing everything up. And I drove the old, I don't know if you ever drove the road from Alex to Cairo, but it was quite the crazy road at the time. Um, This is the mid eighties. And I, uh, I got to the hotel and this guy grabbed me, put me, uh, dragged me up the stairs, put me in the room, turned off the light and basically said that my father was missing. And um, so I sat on the floor of this room, this dark room till about three o'clock in the morning. And there was a ring on, on, on the desk of the phone and he answered it and he said, it's for you. And it was actually my father speaking in code, telling me to get out of the country. He'd been arrested Mm. and he was in jail. So um, basically we decided that uh, I had to leave the country as well to try and get him out. And so I left and, but the hardest thing for me is I left, I went back to Vancouver. He was still in, in, in jail for about six months in various jails in Egypt. 
and um, he was released eventually. But what we've what we what I say on on podcasts and things is that my father and my ethics clashed, and there was a bit of an ethical thing going on there. <clears throat> And he was eventually released because one of the witnesses against him died in in prison, and they had to let him go. Mm. So my kick in the butt, but uh, in the butt, in the gut, in the butt. That too. Um, like, like you mentioned, having people on these on these pedestals is my dad was on this massive, massive pedestal for me, and then I got knocked completely off. And my I I worked with my sister, and we had to had to you know we decided that we had to leave. We didn't want to be involved in any type of this stuff ever again. And it was really, really tough. So we we left and we formed our own business called Aquaguard Spill Response. We had no money. We leveraged everything we had. And uh, our father uh, did not like us for doing what we did, but we had to do it. And I swore I'd never get involved in anything like that ever again. And unfortunately, my father is now 85 and he just served another five years in a U.S. prison for a similar offense. So it's it's t- it's really tough. So that it's it's been multiple kicks in the gut. Yeah, that's a tough one, man. That is yeah. really a tough yeah. one. And I commend you and your sister for yeah. making that decision. And thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, it was just trying to break break the break the cycle. I mean, I've been through mm. lots of you know, therapy and whatnot because of this. And, and, I, and I, you know, I'm 58 now, but I still have, you know, anxiety attacks. And uh, it's, you know, something that I can't explain. But, you know, what I what I do is I, you know, I meditate every morning. I get up and I meditate. And I meditate for half an hour with my wife, both of us together, and um, it really that really helps with that. But I, it, it's one of these, one of these things. Everybody has their skeletons, and that's that's one of mine for sure. So, yeah, I definitely get that. Having having traveled as much as I have, and for those of you who have not had the pleasure yes. of traveling, one is the best education that you will ever get. Mm. Period. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're going to see, you know, those of us who live in the free world, we have it pretty damn good. Uh, yeah. there are some issues we got, we all got our issues, but I'm here to tell you, uh, like for instance, my wife, I spent four years in Panama. My wife, my wife's from Panama. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah and, nice. uh, right now they're, they got a curfew. They're on lockdown. Yeah. I'm, I mean, yeah. full on lockdown. In fact, one of her nieces didn't believe that they, you know, would do what they said that they would do by detaining people. She was out past curfew. She got detained overnight. Uh, and it wasn't a very pleasant environment where she was detained at. And, yeah. you know, and they're following the rules and following the laws and, and all this kind of stuff. But yeah, and it's worse even other places, you know, and beside, co- you know, besides COVID and other things, but just the way people are, are treated uh, yes. and the freedoms yeah. that they don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, it's different. So, yeah, it's it's, it's get out, guys. <laughs> get yeah, out and yeah, see. We other actually things. have a we have a small office in Panama and we mm-hmm. were able to get our guys out of there. But it took a long time to get them out and back back to Canada. Um, that was right at the beginning of the COVID thing here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, good. I'm yeah. glad you're able to get them out or at least get them home where they, you know, they're safe yeah. there in Panama. It's just a matter of, oh, yeah. uh, yeah. you know, you want to be with people you love and if you're going to be on lockdown, exactly. you know, that's yeah. what I said anyway. So anyhow, right. you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it seemed mm-hmm. like you had enough is enough moment and you, <laughs> you and your sister had went ahead and, and started your, um, uh, your business and what's it called again? It's called AquaGuard Spill Response. What yeah. we do is we design we design and manufacture kind of state of the art oil spill response equipment like marine mm-hmm. oil spills. So for the BP Horizon that happened ten years ago, last month actually in the Gulf of Mexico, and yeah, it's it's the equipment that, that we that use to contain and recover uh, marine oil spills. Yeah, we've got 
We're in about 100, we've done business in about 104 countries, about 3,000 clients now after, yeah, after breaking off my, my dad's company in 92. Well, yeah. and sadly yeah. enough, it seems like there's more than enough work for you out there. There is, I sadly, say that enough, sadly it, enough. because it, it, never, is... it never changes, I know. I mean, we were, I was involved way back uh, in the Exxon Valdez in 89, mm -hmm. and then in the first Gulf War in 1990, and uh, yeah, with um, the... Uh, with the Kuwait, with Kuwait, remember the Kuwait oh, fires yeah. and, and all mm -hmm. that stuff. Yeah, we're involved in that too. So wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. It is crazy. It really is, and it's it's that is an industry that's got so much corruption, and there's so much. That's why yes, wars are absolutely. fought. Quite frankly, just because of that industry. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. The fossil fuels and whatnot, and energy in general. Absolutely, I know, I know. I think the next wars are going to be fought over clean water to be honest with you i mm. think the oil oil things dying off a little bit are going to eventually when we find alternative fuels but um or alternative energy but water is the next thing but uh, yeah i've had yeah i've had a lot of enough enough moments as you mentioned mm. um um i i lived what i call kind of the doorknob effect so once i broke off uh my father's company in 1992 with my sister and another guy um i lived for like it was almost 20 years of being on a roller coaster and I call it the doorknob because I would go up to the doorknob of my office every day and it would be it would be vibrating you know and I'm like okay if I when I touch it I gotta step through and every day I would step through would be a complete bees nest of I need this nodule could you do this I, I could you and so I'd take a deep breath and I'd step through but I lived like that for 20 years and and I mentioned earlier that um, a buddy of mine uh, saw this happening he was a ex uh, Canadian Football League uh, lineman professional football player who's 330 pounds big mm. dude and uh, he had just retired from football and he joined what was called the entrepreneurs organization and he said Nigel you need help let me take you to a meeting and I'm like no I don't have time I've got a young family I you know I just don't have time for this stuff and he literally grabbed me by the scruff of the neck and he said you're coming to a meeting with me and he dragged me to this meeting and I got recruited and I was in for you know about 15 years in the entrepreneurs organization which um, which was one of the best things that ever happened to me. Um, and then um, I hired a coach. Um, I'd, I'd had a coach. A coach co helped, helped me break away from my dad's company, helped me set things up. And then I had another coach about five years later, and I'm still working with him 15 years later. Um, that uh, I had a conversation with my coach the very first time he was with me. And he saw that I was having a hard time and he said, you know, Nigel, if somebody came up to you today and offered you something for your business, what would you sell it for? And I said, one dollar like that. It was I didn't even think wow. I said one dollar. I said, I want my freedom back. I want my freedom back. I want to be able to go climbing in the mountains. I want to go skiing. I want to be able to hang out with my family. I'm sick and tired of living this, you know, t chaos for 20, 20 plus years. And so I worked with my coach over you know, over several years, and we set up the asteroid belt of things that I was dealing with, and we started knocking off the little asteroids first and the bigger ones later, and and you know we stepped through the minefield, and and eventually, after so many years, I was able to set my business up to run without me, and um, yeah, and I, and in and in um, and in 2010. I was I was offered to sell my business to a large UK competitor out of the out of the UK, and I went to my class at MIT. I was I was I was there, and a speaker came in, and I I'd, I'd taken the deposit uh, for the business, 
And I was out. I was getting my freedom back. I was like, I can't believe this. I'm going to get a big bag of cash and I'm going to be able to go sell T-shirts on the beach. <laughs> I'm going to go surfing or do whatever I want to do. And then the speaker came and she stood in front of her class. Her name was Lynn Twist. And she wrote a book called The Soul of Money. And she invited myself and other members of my class to go deep into the Amazon rainforest with her and experience a tribe that had only been, um, um, had contact with the outside world 10, 10 years before and only with her organization, which was called the Pachamama Alliance. And they work with indigenous groups in the Amazon to help preserve their way of life and basically keep the oil, oil, oil companies back. And so I put my hand up and I said, I'm coming with you and I'm bringing my family. And so I went, but I was right in the middle so it was the, the BP Horizon oil spill was, was happening. Uh, I was in the middle of selling my business or selling it, and, and I was invited to go to the Amazon, and I went to the Amazon. And, and I took place uh, in a ceremony. There was a ceremony with uh, uh, some elders, and uh, it took place in a ceremony. It was a hallucinogenic substance called ayahuasca that I tried. I didn't even know what it was. And then this little voice in my head I actually had this vision. I, I think it was my conscience talking to me. It said, and, and basically it, it, it said this, it said, Nigel, do not sell your business. Take your business off the company, uh, off the table. Leverage the business. Leverage all of your contacts that you've made over the past 30, 30 years to do good in the world. And I was like, whoa, that was pretty heavy, heavy stuff. And I, I was flying back to Vancouver and I really thought about it seriously. I thought, I'm going to cash out and I'm going to sell business or sell T-shirts on the beach or what am I going to do? I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, <clears throat> so I decided to fly to London. I pulled the deal off the table. I bought out my partner <clears throat> and I've that was in 2012. And now I've been leveraging my business and uh, to do good in the world. And that's, yeah, so I went from having a, enough as enough moment to being able to morph my way and... Um, <clears throat> obtain all this. And, and, and I, and the only reason I, I honestly believe is that joining a really solid peer group, but then having a really, really good coach that held me accountable was the only way that I was able to get there. And once I set my business up to run without me, my wife and I and our, and our family, we, um, we took off for a year and traveled. We spent time in 17 different countries, very simple backpacks. We had, we had, you know, three t-shirts, one pair of shorts, pair of flip-flops. So in every photograph that we're in, uh, we're wearing like the same teach the same clothes. It's pretty funny <laughs> to look at. Um, yeah, we we traveled for a year, and and I wrote a book while I was doing that. So, yeah, so things really turned themselves around. <clears throat> Absolutely wonderful. That's the dream, though, isn't it? That's the dream yeah. that uh, many business owners think they're going to have until they get into it and they realize, yep. damn, this is taking up every single bit of my time. But listen, guys, listen to Nigel's story. Listen to what yeah. he did. He listened it, it, to other people. Yes, absolutely. Right? I know. I asked for help because, yeah. you know, I honestly think that we can't do life alone. We, we mm -hmm. can't. And, and unfortunately, you know, I hate to say this, but my father <clears throat> didn't trust anybody and he did. He got very paranoid. And um, where, you know, I, I, and I and the, the thing is, I'm dyslexic and I've got ADD. So I've, I've always reached out for help when I was um, <clears throat> in school, when I was in technical college. I got kicked out of technical college after the, after the first six months. But I begged the dean to, to allow me back in if I was able to take day school and night school, all the courses that I failed at night school, 
But the only reason I got through that is because I surrounded myself with really good people that could help me. And, and we, we all helped each other. And same thing in, in life, you know, with the coach. I, I you know, there's things that there, there's absolutely no way I could have done unless I was, you know, held accountable or, you know, made a deal that I was going to have something done next month. And if I didn't, I was going to hand him the keys to my car, <clears throat> mm. you know, things like that. Like it, mm-hmm. you have to take it seriously. And, and you get into a, I found for me, I got into a, a flow and I call it a life rhythm. I don't call it a life balance because I always find that a balance, you have to give one up for the other, but a life, like a life rhythm, like you're almost in a dance. And once you get in the sweet spot, you're in this flow and, the, and then things just start happening faster and faster and better. And you get connected with incredible people and, and it, you just, it's that flow, man. Mm-hmm. It's uh, for me, it's that flow. And, and yeah, just been <laughs> like, like you said, I've been really, really fortunate. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. I love the idea of handing over the the keys to the car or something like that. I had a I, know. I had a client at one time that um I won't say which party he was affiliated with, but he mm. definitely didn't like the other party. He was far one way and I said, "Well, look, dude, if you don't follow through with this, here's what you're going to do." And yeah. I had him sign a contract. You are going to donate $500 to the other party, pol- political party. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, "Hell like no." Like so guess what one. he did? <laughs> <laughs> and what he, he didn't do yeah he and you can done. do the same thing with you know have somebody wear you know the 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 uh you know opponent's jersey or something like that you know a, a football yeah. or whatever mm-hmm. the sport is you know you yep. got to find out what the hot buttons are and these emotional yep. hot buttons and yep. they'll get it done oh yeah i mean curious. i had uh i had a bet i had a bet with some of the guys at my class at mit and um so i'm a vancouver canucks right the the hockey and then he was a boston bruins fan and boston we had a beat you know we made it to the finals and uh we made a bet that if the other team won the other guys would have uh, that guy would have to go to class stand up in front of everybody and sing the other team's national mm. anthem so so i lost the canucks lost boston won i went there and in the pub that night i had to stand up and sing the U.S. national anthem, which mm-hmm. which was awesome. But the really cool thing I found was is that, and most of the people, there were seven Canadians in our class, and there's like 70 Americans. And the really beautiful thing was, is I, you know, I started singing, you know, and, and they kind of joined along in the in the in the U.S. national anthem. But then when I when I and then um, <clears throat> and then uh, my buddy Danny, who who won the bid, he actually started singing the Canadian national anthem. But the whole class of Americans started singing the Canadian national anthem. All well, the guys that knew it, because yeah. I guess a lot, lot of hockey fans, so they, mm-hmm. they knew. And it was just incredible, you know. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very it's, cool. It's Got to have really fun with it, guys. It's all about absolutely. having fun and living absolutely. life. I mean, my oh, goodness, absolutely. we're just too serious about you know oh. ourselves and just mm-hmm. laugh at each other and have a good time. It makes everything <laughs> so much better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that's so it. true. I know, I know, I know. Oh my gosh. Oh, what was I going to say? There was something here. I just lost my mind here. Um, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, well, let me ask you this. I mean, you're yes. obviously paying it forward in a very, very big way. You know, with your business and you know, taking care of all those oil spills with AquaGuard uh, spill response and everything else. But how else are you paying it forward in the community or even in the world? Yeah, I, I, there's another little thing I'll mention that I, I had a uh, another speaker in my class, and his name's Simon, Simon Sinek, and he talks about why. Mm-hmm. And he got up and he goes, you know, why you do anything is why you do everything. And and I, and I never really got it. And he says, what is your why for your business? And my why for my business, I you know, I clean up oil spills. I clean up the oil industry mess. But I thought about that again on the flight home back to Vancouver. And I go, no, 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 no. The name of your business is AquaGuard. AquaGuard we protect, means protect water. 
we protect the world's most precious resource. My why for my business is to protect the world's most precious resource, which just blew the doors right open. It just expanded everything so much. And and that's what I do with the business. So that that, that that's cool is protecting water. But on a personal note, um, um, I, I've, I've always been kind of wired to wanting to give back, but I never really knew what to do. And I had a really cool, I had, I have a really cool, um, mate of mine, um, David Ash, and he was a, a forum member in my entrepreneurs organization group for 15 years. And he was doing incredible things. He was building uh, shelters downtown for homeless women and, and, and just pouring his heart and everything into giving back. And I asked him, I said, Dave, we're in San Diego. We were actually at the Coronado Hotel sitting in San Diego outside having lunch. And I said to him, I said, Dave, I don't get it. How do you how do you do what you do? Like I'm just in awe of you. And he goes, Nigel, it's it's not a big deal. He says, just take that first little step. And I said, that first little step, like what? He says, Oh, you see somebody sitting on the on you know, a homeless person on the side of the road, you know, sit down, have a little chat with them, find out, you know, find out what they're about. Give them five bucks, just just a little, just a little thing, and 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 you'll and you'll figure it out. And I'm like, okay, fine, that's you know that that's cool. And then he invited me and my family to go to Mexico to help uh, build homes for the homeless. And the first year, I, I said, no, 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 I'm too busy, I can't go. He came back, he showed me some photographs of this amazing experience with his family. And the next year, I went. And two years later, I, I went again. And then. Um, our kids were giving uh, presentations at their school uh, from their experience, and I'd get home at night, and our phone would start ringing off the hook. You know, people wanted to come; they wanted us to lead a trip, and I'm like, "Well, I don't lead; I, I just go." And they said, "Well, could you lead a trip?" So I talked to the organizers, and our first trip, I couldn't take. There was 80 people that wanted to come, and I couldn't take them all, so we took 50, and then we took another 30. We went twice that year, and we built, and. My daughter was three years old the first time she went, and now she's 20. And um, we were going every year or multiple times a year leading these trips uh, to Mexico to help help build. And it's just been the most incredible thing. I found that giving is, is one of the most incredible things we can do. Giving uh, money is great. Giving of yourself is, is, is very, very powerful. But giving as a family, as a family unit, is probably one of the most powerful things that I, I've ever done. And so we've we've gone probably 18 times, probably led 700 people now to Mexico to build. And it's just, and then and then things, other things have spur off. You know, I, we do a lot, my wife and I do a lot of work for youth um, with Covenant House. There's Covenant House uh, chapters in pretty much every city in North America. And they help at-risk youth. So we do a lot of work with them. And, and um during our our journey around the world, um, I got I'm a I'm a crappy surfer, but I love to surf. My my kids are good surfers, so we're in uh, Indonesia and Bali, and we're surfing. And we found that when it would rain, the oceans would fill with garbage and plastic because they would the rivers were all dry, and then they would flush all the garbage down into the ocean. And you'd be paddling to catch a wave, and your skag and everything would be in in, uh, in garbage. And so I. My son and daughter and I, we decided, you know, we need to do something. So we created a movement and an app called True Beach, T-R-U-B-E-A-C-H. And we have an app so people can travel the world or if you're traveling with your kids and family, you can report uh, beach contamination. So it's it's to bring awareness and hopefully change to um, uh, the condition of our beaches and oceans. And then my son and I and my coach, 
um, founded another group called giftaddd.com where we were helping to dispel the myth that people with ADD and dyslexia were not uh, cursed, but were actually gifted. And we're sharing stories of successful people, not necessarily entrepreneurs, but humans that are successful that have, you know, uh, ADD or dyslexia. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, there's a whole ton of other stuff, but I just find it, I, I find that I get more joy in my life now giving than any contract or anything that I've ever, ever been able to get in business. I, it's just, and, and being able to do it with my family is, you know, there's, there's nothing, nothing that comes close. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so basically, yeah. to sum all that up, you're just really not doing a whole lot in your life. At no, all. not doing, not doing. A whole lot. <laughs> well, the fact of the matter is, all the studies point to the fact mm. that the highest form of happiness comes from mm. giving. One hundred percent. It all yeah. circles back to that uh, giving I, of your time, treasures, or talents, or the above, if possible. Yeah. That's why I talk about being an abundant leader and being abundant. Yeah. Because the more abundant you are, not just in resources, but in in time and in knowledge and wisdom, the more you have to give. You do, and the more it gets attracted to you, and the more you have mm -hmm. to give. And then uh, a friend of mine, Lynn Twist, <clears throat> she wrote the book The Soul of Money. I mentioned. She said that um, uh, money is like water. It, it um, it flows in, or was it? It it it, it, it kind of trickles in and it flows, or sorry, sorry, it, it can trickle out, but it can flow back in. Mm -hmm. You know, so the little bit you give, things just flow back in. And I, and I've I've really found that when you step into that space and and you accept it and 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 get into that rhythm and that life rhythm and that flow, things just start going crazy. I mean, you 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 know this. It's uh, yeah. it's really hard to explain. I mean, I was stuck for so many years. I was stuck, stuck, stuck. And um, I just thought I would never be able to get out of this craziness that I was living. And then all of a sudden, when I stepped from one side into the next and got involved, in th things just started happening. And it started happening for my business and it started happening in my personal life and my relationships. And it, yeah. Yeah, some of the yeah. longtime listeners have heard it. It's exactly what happened to me. As soon as I yeah. took on this abundance mindset <laughs> and started enjoying my life a little bit more and then giving yep. so much more came yeah. into my life in the forms of relationships, connections, opportunities, money. It, yeah. It's yeah, just amazing, man. I know. It sounds like a cliche, you know, and I, I've heard people say it for years. You know, the more you give, the more that comes in. I'm like, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't believe it. It does. It really, really does. I, yeah. I you know, I don't know. Yeah, for sure. Powers of the universe, I guess. I don't know. It's, indeed, it's indeed. Yeah, yeah. So, brother, we are at the point where we're going to pay it forward. You ready to do that? Sure. Yeah, you bet. Excellent. One of the many things I noticed during the 2020 lockdowns is many business owners became very conscious of where they were spending their money. As a result, you started reducing costs, and rightfully so. And one of the cuts most business owners make is in the area of marketing. Now, on the surface, one would say, well, why would you reduce costs on the one thing that is supposed to bring clients and customers into your business? Well, it's simple. The marketing wasn't working or you weren't tracking where your customers and clients are coming from. And if they were coming from your marketing, you didn't know. But chances are they were not coming in from the marketing. Most have told me they come in from referrals and they're not predictable. I can't predict the referrals that come into my business. You can predict marketing when it's done right. Which brings up the other problem. Those that were tracking their marketing and seeing if it was effective, quite frankly, it wasn't effective. Sending more traffic to their website was not more effective. 
Placing ads on Facebook, LinkedIn, Google pay-per-click, billboards, newspaper wasn't effective. So the question becomes why? Why is it that a business will spend so much money on marketing and not get a return on the investment? Well, the reason is simple. Most businesses out there, and I mean 90% or more of the businesses that are out there, are doing what's referred to as institutional or brand building marketing. It is not effective for the small business owner. It's only effective to put your name out there like all the big name brands that you see on the Super Bowl commercials and whatnot. When you as a business owner are putting ads up on billboards, newspapers, TV ads, radio ads, Facebook, pay-per-click, regardless of what it is, chances are you are literally throwing your money away because those strategies that you're using is not the mediums, it's not the billboard, and it's not Facebook, and it's not Google pay-per-click. It's what you're saying in the marketing and how you say it. Remember this and write this down. What you say and how you say it is almost always more important than where you say it. So where can you find out more information? Where can you find out how to do effective marketing? Well, you're in luck. I've got a link for you to go check out for a training that I'm just going to give to you absolutely free. All you have to do is go to apmasterycoach.com slash wrong. apmasterycoach.com slash wrong. And you'll find that link in the show notes of this episode. I promise you, after you watch that training, you will never look at your business and your marketing of your business the same way again. One more time, apmasterycoach.com forward slash wrong. Now let's get back to the conversation. So share one to three actionable steps that men of abundance can take today. Wow. Okay. Well, for me, this is my, mine was, um, I joined a really, really good peer group, um, which was uh, the entrepreneurs organization. And then I got into the gathering of Titans at MIT. And then, uh, it was another one called tiger 21 peer group was key, key for me. And then biggest of all for me was uh, hiring a coach and having a really good coach to hold me, um, accountable. And something else that I've really learned is never sacrifice uh, your family for a business crisis because as entrepreneurs, we're always in a business crisis every day and it's a, you can always make up an excuse not to go to your kid's football game or soccer game, but it's so important to, to not give up um, on your family and uh, create a life rhythm. Excellent. Thanks for that. I greatly appreciate that. We already anyway. mentioned a few rituals that you mm. you know you do on a regular basis. I mean, just a uh-huh. few things. But what yeah. what um specific rituals make the biggest impact in your life that you feel? Yeah, I just find I I really enjoy the quiet space. I mean, right now with with COVID going on, there's a lot of quiet space. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I, I wake up first thing I do when I wake up in the morning. I go and I do a, a 30 minute yoga stretch stretch, and then um, I do some jumping just to get the the, the um my body going a little bit and then I do a 30 minute uh, meditation and uh, it's and I do it with my wife my wife and I do it we sit together and we have some very quiet music and we meditate and it really grounds me for the day I do it before checking any any social media anything I, I don't do that until like you know I have a I have a deal that I don't check anything until well after nine o'clock in the morning and I grab a coffee coffee and then See where the day leads. Yeah. Mm, sounds very familiar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> what are you reading or listening to that you'd recommend to men of abundance and why? 
Um, one of the books that really changed me was The Soul of Money by Lynn Twist. Um, mm. Again, it's all about giving. It's all about giving. She's an incredible woman. She worked for mother with Mother Teresa in India. She ran the Hunger Project globally for many years, and now she runs the Pachamama Alliance. And incredible, incredible woman. She's about 75 and one of the most incredible women I've ever met besides my wife. <laughs> Um, and on the business side of it, I would say I like, I like Jim Collins. Good to great. Um, the whole hedgehog thing, getting the right people on the bus in the right seats and the right person driving the bus in your business. Um, and Michael Gerber's e-myth was always, mm-hmm. uh, as a good one as a, you know, the entrepreneur back in the old days for me and, uh, start with why, you know, Simon Sinek finding what your business, why, and what your why is. Yeah. yeah, the only one of those that you mentioned that I have not, don't, uh-huh. do not personally own is The Soul of Money. So I'm going to have to get Yeah, into check that it out. One. Check it out. Very good. It's very good. Yeah, yeah, all the others are basically study guides for me that I've used yeah. over the years. I know. It's like, <laughs> it's like me and all my buddies. Yeah. 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 What do you feel holds most people back from living a life of true abundance? Um, I think fear, fear, complacency feeling comfortable with where you are and, you know, you don't want to rock the boat to try anything new. Um, you know, it's easier to stay with the status quo than actually going and sticking your head and peeking around the next corner. I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think that's what it is. What do you, you think know? the fear is derived from or what do you think that they fear specifically? Um, I think it, it just, just the fear of not knowing what's coming for, for me, not knowing what's coming next is actually, I get a, a big charge out of that. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I get scared, but I, I've learned over time that um, that's a good thing, you know, to be in that space, kind of stepping outside of your comfort zone. But I, I think it's just people just don't want to step outside of their comfort zone. They're just too, too comfortable. You yeah. know, even, even if it's an, even if it's a terrible relationship, it's just, it's, it's too much of a risk to go take that step. Agreed. I was so much in in the comfort zone at one point, and it wasn't too awfully long ago that I put myself into a homeless uh, situation for 48 days. Oh, was uh, that right? Yeah, yeah, to get out of my comfort zone. And wow. uh, oh boy, did I get more than I bargained for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great experience, I'll have to say. Um, a very wow. eye-opening experience on many levels, but yeah. I don't want to get into that right now. Now, yeah. you know, what does it mean for you to be mm-hmm. a man of abundance. Wow. I, I'm just being, being so fortunate um, to have the freedom um, that I've got now. And um, yeah, just to have my freedom. You know, my, my, my goal uh, with my coach that I work for is I, I said, I want my freedom back. And when I got it back, I realized that you know, with the freedom comes a lot of responsibility. I mean, you know that, right? It's like, mm-hmm. it's like, I've got this freedom. It's like, but now I need to help. I need to share. I need to give back. I need to, um, uh, share my wisdom. It, it's like, it's like the indigenous cultures of the world. You know, the, the, um, you know, the kids and the youth would all sit around the fire and listen to the wisdom of the older, older people, mm-hmm. the wisdom. And I think I'm that part of my life where I, I, um, you know, it, it's, it's up to me. It's my duty. It's actually, I feel this is for me only, but it's, I feel it's my duty to give back. Mm, as do yeah. I, that's where I'm at right yeah. now in my life as well. Yeah. Uh, very yeah. important. Now that freedom that a lot of entrepreneurs yeah. are looking for and being able to check, you know, check the clock on your own, basically yeah. that can mm-hmm. be a hindrance as well. Uh, mm-hmm. I've seen with a lot of entrepreneurs is that once you, you own your clock, you know, you own it. <laughs> yes, and if yes. you're not performing, guess what? 
It's on you. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've no, you know, it's everybody's dream is to, you know, to like in the E myth, you know, set up a business mm-hmm. and and set up the systems and sell it for a big bag of cash. But I, you know, I know so many people that have actually done that and done extremely well. But two, three years later, you check in with them and it, and it hasn't been so good. Mm-hmm. And there was somebody that that spoke uh, last year at my class. He had sold his business. He had a really, really rough time. And after after he sold it personally relationships and but he said unless you know exactly what your life purpose is don't sell your business Mm. know crystal clear what that purpose is and so yeah because there's this big void and there's a lot of people with you know all your all your friends are you know working or whatnot and you know people that want to hang out with you may not be the right type of people that you want hanging out with you and things can spiral out of control so knowing i mean i, I really took that to heart is you know know your life purpose yeah yeah absolutely you can get bored real quick <laughs> i did yeah, when i retired from the military so i did a lot of nothing for about four about four months four or five months and then i realized yeah. i just got to get back and do something you know, yeah. So yeah. You, you really, we, you know, as as human beings, we have to continue adding value some way, somehow. Absolutely. Even if Absolutely. you are not working and you're just volunteering in your community or at the church Fantastic. or whatever the case may be, you got to do something. You do, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So then I ended up writing. You know, I I did my big journey with my kids. I started writing a book and I've I finished it and I'm dyslexic and and um, but I wanted to write my own book and I did and it took me three years and I worked with a really good editor to correct my spelling mm-hmm. mistakes and everything and. And so I've been having so much fun, so much fun. I never, ever dreamed that I'd have so much fun after, you know, putting the book together and, and speaking to amazing people like you. And and um, I, I've also formed this group. I don't know if I mentioned it earlier in the pre-talk or now, but I've uh, formed a group. Uh, it's called the 3CEOs.com. And we're we're speaking to entrepreneurial groups all over the world on, you know, on our Lessons from the Edge. And it's just so intriguing to me, you know, sharing what I what I've learned what I've learned, and I, I'm assuming that everybody knows this, but they don't. And when you share the stories, and then you you get messages from people saying that, oh my gosh, this, the light bulb went on when you said this. I had tears in my eyes when you said this, and I and I thought I was just sharing sharing a story, mm-hmm. but it, it and it can affect so many people in so many different ways, and I'm just getting such a high out of that. That's the reason I'm doing it. All the proceeds of my book, all my speaking, if they want to pay me, all goes to various charities and causes that my family support, but. For me, as on a personal level, the biggest thing is is that getting getting that feedback saying, "Oh my gosh, you changed my life." Oh my god! And for me, I thought it was just something that everybody knew. Yeah, and that's what I refer to as the curse of knowledge. Uh, we yeah, have these yeah. experiences and we have this information, and I just expect every entrepreneur should know the information that I know. And the more yeah. business owners I talk to, I just happen to I know they don't. So I don't take I anything for granted anymore, no. uh, yeah. at all. Yeah. Even some of the guys have been in business twenty some odd years. It's like you didn't know, dude. Seriously, this is why yeah. you broke. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know. Um, so let's get it, let's talk real quickly about your book because take that leap, sure. risking yeah. it all uh, for what really matters, really matters. is a yeah. Yeah. Great title. Uh, I absolutely love it. Let's get into that real quick and, and share what that's all about so the guys can go get a copy of that. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a life journey book. Um, it's Take That Leap, Risking It All for What Really Matters and What Really, Really Matters in Life. And so it's a life journey. It shares some stories about uh, my um, starting up a, a business as a young, young guy and leveraging everything 
to my stories of, you know, uh, why I got the coach and, and, and my experience with that. And there's a lot of adventure in there. There's a lot of, uh, kind of crazy rock climbing stories and mountaineering stories and, and, uh, a lot of stuff like that. And, and what I wanted to do is I didn't want to write a book, um, a how to book. Cause a lot of people write how to book, how to become mm-hmm. a billionaire, how to, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to, um, share my wisdom and, and share life stories and, and have people read it and be able to get the nuggets out and then hopefully use those nuggets in their, in their own uh, journey. And so, yeah, and it's just been, it's just been a riot. It's on Amazon. I did an audio version where I actually read, read it in a studio and, um, yeah, it's just been, yeah, yeah. Your, your readers can grab a cop. And again, like I mentioned, all proceeds, um, go to various charities and causes that we support. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks for sharing that. And I, I love the idea of the story uh, line behind it instead of the how to. I was just having this conversation with one of my clients today. Oh, yeah. Who's doing the same thing. She's writing her book in a in a nice. fable type of thing. But it's mm-hmm. this very valuable information that people will gravitate to. So guys, you right. can find that at and we're going to have it linked up at Nigel J. Bennett, two N's, two T's, Nigel J. Bennett dot com. So we'll have that linked up in the show notes. But Nigel, before I let you go, man, what did we not talk about today that you want to ensure that our abundant leaders get out of our conversation? And how can we find more of you other than your amazing website? Wow. Um, let's see. What um, I talked about our three CEOs, um, mm-hmm. which has just been a, a lot of fun, uh, a lot of fun doing this. And But there, there's actually another group that we're talking to, and it's, um, it's uh, Entrepreneurial vet- Veterans. Um, and so we're going to be speaking with entrepreneurial veterans and, uh, sharing our, you know, lessons from the edge, uh, as well. So that's probably something that you didn't know. Um, yeah, yeah. And I'm really excited about that because right now we're, we're speaking with mostly the entrepreneurs organizations, EO and YPO and groups like that. Mm-hmm. And now, um, our friend is, uh, connecting us with the entre- entrepreneurial veterans, which should be super cool. I'm really excited, excited about that. Yeah. yeah, that sounds fun. That's a that's a great time for sure. Definitely uh, sharing the wisdom. I greatly appreciate it, man. I love this conversation. Go out, live your life <laughs> of abundance. Keep paying it forward because you are seriously doing it in a huge way. And I Thanks greatly so appreciate much, it. Wally. No, you are too. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. So what do you want to change in your life, in your community, or in your state? country, or in the world. What would you like to see change? Do you think it's too big for you? I'll bet it's not. There are multiple stories, many of them told right here on Men of Abundance, of men and women who have taken on all odds for something much bigger than themselves, and they did whatever it took, and they're doing whatever it takes to make a difference in their life, in their family, at their job, in their business, in their communities, in their state, city, even in the world. You've heard many of these stories, and if you haven't, go back and listen to a few. It may inspire you to do what it is that you want to change in your world. Now, go out, live your life of abundance, and be sure to pay it forward. That's all for today, Abundance Leaders. For more about our guests and the powerful information we shared with you today, be sure to sign up for our mailing list at menofabundance.com. We appreciate your time and look forward to hanging out with you on our next episode. So until then, be sure to pay it forward and live your life of abundance.